0: Welcome to Loop Me In, the podcast community for parents and carers on raising children with disabilities. Join presenters Dr. Lisa Intelligi and Christine Christopoulos and their guests in sharing experiences, information and support ideas to help children with disabilities flourish. Loop Me In is brought to you weekly on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher to name a few. You can learn more, connect to the Loop Me In community and listen to more episodes on our website loop-me-in.com.au.
1: Welcome to Loop Me In. Today we have Danuta, who is a clinical psychologist specialising in girls and women on the spectrum. She has created a unique practice called Unique You, which is one of the only ones in Australia, I believe. And she has also written a book called I Am an SB Girl. Welcome, Danuta. Thank you so much for having me, Christine and Lisa. Pleasure. Now, I'm curious, tell me why you decided to do a centre just based on women and girls. So um,
2: I I guess I, I've, all of my experience up until about, what was it, Ooh, 11 years ago was centred around autistic boys and uh, men and it always fascinated me. And then um, when I had the opportunity to work um, with Professor Tony Atwood and, and Dr Michelle Garnett in Brisbane, we really started discovering, I, I became exposed to the sort of more subtle presentations autistic presentations so and there they lay in uh, the female presentation of autism
3: yeah I think I was reading that it's um in Australia there's only one woman diagnosed to about every four males men or, or uh, boys what do you think that is
2: yeah so that's that number is actually rising well it's I think it was um, an underestimate. Um, it's probably more like one for every two, if not more equally coming up to one-on-one, just looking at a different presentation. So the girls are very good at being able to mask their difficulties. And I say they're very good at it because for us, for the on um, outsiders looking in, it's very adaptive to to be able to blend in and, and to pick up on cues and facial expressions and watch before um, reacting and then act accordingly. So this is one of the reasons. They're very um, good chameleons. They're good at watching before they act and being very cautious in, in how they respond. If they have ADHD with the impulsivity, that is a lot harder for the girls, of course.
3: Yeah, and I think that the other thing that was really interesting to me, and it might be an outdated stat too, is that, you know, there's been a, a significant increase in the number of people diagnosed with autism over I think the stat that I had was from 2012 to 15, there was a 42% increase. Is that because we're better at diagnosing now, do you think?
2: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. We're better at diagnosing. We're um, more aware in general that that could be the reason for the person's presentations and particular
1: um, patterns of of challenges um, and strengths. Are you finding now that also women are coming in or Oh, adults coming in, and then when you're looking back at their journey, you can see that they also have been on the spectrum.
2: Yeah, that's that's so true. So, we have different sort of typical presentations. So, one of them is um, the women coming in have always wondered why they're different, and they've um, done some reading or been exposed to information on social media where they might be autistic. And so, they've um, explored that further and then approached us for a diagnostic assessment to delve into that further. Then we have the women who bring their daughters into our clinic. And so the daughters have been picked up and through that diagnostic assessment process for their daughter, they've, I guess, discovered and um, reflected on their own lives as children and the so the similarities that they experienced to their daughters, which they thought was just, their daughter was just doing what they used to do. So it wasn't particularly unusual. Then they started realizing, oh, hang on a second, this is this is
3: what I was like too. What's the benefit of having a diagnosis, do you think, as an adult? Mm.
2: Oh, there's so much. So I think the biggest thing is um identity and self-awareness, which is so important for our everyday functioning, to know who we are, to be able to understand our reactions, to be able to explain ourselves to other people so that they get the correct example or explanation for certain behaviours and also um, to access services so to be able to apply for the NDIS for example or to finally understand um, why um, they've approached burnout and exhaustion and they can't keep pushing themselves to the same level as they've been pressured to do so through society and they finally put their hand up and said no this is actually why I can't and I need to have a rest and I need to have um, my my disability recognised.
3: A really good point, isn't it? That when you're masking and you're working really hard, you're working overtime really to keep up with um, what you think people expect of you. And so that burnout thing must be a really big issue.
2: It is a big issue and it's actually one thing that, that understanding of, of listening to lived experience and the autistic experience and really understanding masking for what it is has been really crucial actually for us as a clinic in developing professionally because it's as I said before it's some it seems adaptive on the surface however it is actually extremely exhausting and debilitating and for for many women they develop secondary mental health issues due to the exhaustion of the masking and the constant reinforcement that who they actually are is not okay and they have to be this other version of themselves and it's very difficult to sustain and we want to prevent that in the clinic so we when, when our um when we speak to the, our little girls we talk about masking and we talk about the benefits of it. We talk about the dangers of it and the risks of it. And we are very careful in making it clear that when they come to us, we're not going to teach them to socialise like a neurotypical because that's, you know, losing their own identity, which is very harmful. So I think it's, very, it's a very exciting time to be in the industry of, of um, psychology within autism because there's all these great new understandings
1: when someone comes in at an older age what sort of therapy would you have for them
2: so quite often when they come in at an older age they're coming in because they have um, usually some sort of concern or challenge or difficulties with coping so it's not the autism itself that we're wanting to treat. We would never want to treat autism. We really appreciate it. It's it's just another a different type of thinking, and it does come with its disabilities. So we want to help and support the our clients with those autistic related disabilities. But in terms of the mental health, we very much work as other psychologists, generalist psychologists, um, in helping our clients with any mental health and coping issues. But we bring to that the autistic awareness of the female presentation to help modify any approaches so that they can actually help our clients
1: and what do you when you see someone on an, on an older at an older age and then you obviously have young how old, how old would be your youngest
2: we we do occasionally get a preschooler in but usually they're school age so from 5 up until People in their sixties. I did a diagnostic assessment for an eighty-five-year-old in a nursing really? home during Jeez. COVID online. <laughs> so it's it's never too late to learn about yourself, and if if you're open
1: and insightful about yourself, you know, doesn't age is not a barrier. So the eighty-year-old, how did how did that come about? Did she understand? when you obviously gave her the diagnosis, did she know that there was something very different about her?
2: Yeah, she knew she was different all her life. And oh. she was in the nursing home um, due to mobility disabilities rather than any dementia or cognitive type deterioration. So she was a perfect sound mind, super intelligent, really amazing woman. So she she initiated the the assessment and wanted to understand herself better.
1: Wow, that's amazing, even at that age. Wow. Mm. So, tell us the importance of getting this early. Like, you know, there might be families out there who are thinking, are they, you know, is my daughter different? What's the importance of that early dete- detection?
2: Yeah. So, it's very much about identity and um, to prevent any sort of negative, untrue labels forming around um, their child. So to to celebrate being autistic, to understand that it's just a different type of variance in the human brain. And there's lots of autistic girls around and they have different ways of interacting and communicating and stronger needs for self-regulation and sensory stimulation. And so the bet you know the the earlier you can equip somebody any person with tools to manage things that they struggle with, the better. The better the outcome in terms of their self esteem. They're better able to advocate for themselves and explain to the teacher, for example. I need to fiddle with this fidget toy because it helps me to listen, um, and otherwise I. Cannot concentrate, or I feel really uncomfortable in my body. So, giving skills like that to children, so they can advocate for themselves,
3: that's really important too, isn't it? Because I that self stimulation thing um, is a, a really good support, I guess, in and understanding that as opposed to being something that you know parents might find a little bit irritating or a little bit worrisome, is actually a tool to help um, the person actually cope and, and focus
2: that's right so it's very important to educate the child's family the parents about why they're behaving in this way what they're seeking that input for and um for the parents to be able to recognize when they the child might need to be given something to a movement break even or a fidget toy or you know time time away from socializing to be with their pets or just something and and to label it as, oh, you know, I think it looks like you might need a bit of a break. Would you like to cuddle the cat or would you like to go and read a book for a bit? or have you had too much social at the moment? you know, just giving them normalizing those sort of needs that you know as if that, that that's part of their makeup. and when the parents can sort of jump in and prompt, with those suggestions, that child's going to develop a better sense of what they need in the situation. And also they'll, they'll be more open to going into less familiar environments like school because they'll know that their needs will be met.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's also important to have that broader um, engagement of school environments and stuff as well. Is, is that what you're finding in terms of particularly women who are or g- girls who are masking to chat to the school's you know, make sure that the teachers understand and really try and raise their level of awareness as well.
2: Yes, I know that that's so true. So it's very important um, to be able to advocate for these little girls and um, older girls, because quite often the, the school will think, oh, there's no problem, they're fine, there's no issue. Mm-hmm. And that that is quite dangerous. When I hear that, I think, oh dear, they're really masking. If they're not even showing anything, what expense is that going to have? on that child so um, it's very important to educate the school about masking and saying that well there's quite different behaviours that are coming up at home when the kids are feeling safe and able to be themselves so we want to try and bridge that gap and give them opportunities to de-stress in the day at school and some ideas there might be around interest-based lunchtime clubs being able to choose topics of interest to to, um, present on rather than always the syllabus, having sat next to like-minded peers, having their sensory needs um, met, et cetera.
1: And I noticed um, you also have groups where girls get together at different ages, and I can imagine that that would be really important as well, especially as they get older and, you know, they start liking boys or topics of sex or even puberty, like obviously girls go through a menstrual cycle. I can imagine those groups would be really good for the girls, but also good for the families to sort of understand where they're going.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes, we do have a number of groups running and that's, I think the parents equally benefit from those. (laughs) Um, We actually do set up a pot of tea and in the waiting room for the parents and some cue cards to help them sort of maybe get started on, on interesting topics just to sort of help them um, get to know each other and share some similar life experiences and um, some of the comments from the girls have been that they've never met another autistic girl and And um, they didn't even know she was autistic. She didn't look autistic. And so it's all about breaking down those sort of stereotypes of, well, what does it look like? You know, it's trying to help them to understand that it's often a hidden disability and it can also come with some amazing strengths, but it does come with some really significant challenges for many. And that's hidden through masking and just helping through better education about their diagnosis and meeting other girls can be just such an important benefit of groups, um, and quite often we find that when autistic girls and women get together, all of the social challenges break away. So it's not really that they're lacking; they don't know how to socialize. They they absolutely do know how to socialize, but they socialize in a particular way, which is more accepted and and found interesting by other autistic women and girls
3: how do people know that you're around is that are you getting referrals from gps like how or do they just um kind of google search um something because they're concerned yeah. about it
2: yeah we don't we've, we've got some some pediatricians um that we've got good relationships with since they know of us but i think you know where we are um easily found on the internet and through word of mouth i think the google's a wonderful tool yeah.
3: <laughs> because it is something that we've been talking about this season, heavily, um, Mm. is that, you know, the role of the GP and we've had a couple of, um, you know, discussions around the fact that, you know, there should be some education, more education of GPs as well, just Mm -hmm. in disability generally, but um, also on this issue because it is something that people aren't necessarily aware about. So, you know, it would be Mm. great to to have that level of awareness in GP so that they, they can pick it up and refer if if they're concerned?
2: Mm, yes. Well, actually, um, the draft guidelines have been recently released this week for um, through the Autism CRC and that is available for public comment and there's actually a lot of exciting advances in those that I would hope that other disciplines would become familiar with it talks about masking and being neurodiversity affirming in their approach. So I would hope that GPs um, would have a look at that and they could learn a lot.
1: And you also have a dog on site, Panda. How, <laughs> how helpful do you think animals are for children with a disability, women, girls as as well as boys? Yeah, oh, I think
2: they're integral. I think mm-hmm. so many you know, having to rely on the social way of introducing yourself and relating to people can be very distressing and and uncomfortable for um, new clients, especially. So, if they're coming in and there's a there's um, a therapy dog there, they don't need to talk. They can just pat and and interact in you know more tactile and kinesthetic way, which is really takes away some of those barriers. We had a little girl um, come up to um, reception this week and, and she introduced herself and said, I'm here to see Panda. <laughs> so not not the psychologist um, who has Panda, but Panda.
3: What sort of dog is Panda?
2: Oh, goodness. So Panda is um, Siobhan's therapy dog and he is, I, I think he's got, he's got some Shih Tzu in him. And oh, I don't even know, um, I should know this. He's got a few a few combinations. He's absolutely gorgeous. His eyes are just so loving and adoring. He sits at people's feet and just looks up with these beautiful eyes. And I think everyone gets won over by Panda. Oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they do. And your book, which we touched on earlier, tell us um, your inspiration to writing that. Oh, so for that one,
2: I was actually, I was working clinically and conducting diagnostic assessments. And then in the feedback session, I was explaining about the different way of thinking and explaining about, it was Asperger's at that time. And um, I was just, there was no resources that I could explain and share with the girls about their particular presentation. So I was using a lot of the boy ones and then, and modifying them and say, but for you, it's a little bit different. You're able to copy what the other girls are doing and it looks like it's really easy on the outside so I was sort of just having to improvise with the other books that were there so I just thought you know I would just love to write a book so that I could use it clinically and
0: that's
1: how it was born. Yeah that's awesome. What's it called? I'm an Aspie girl. And I think there's nothing better than seeing something you know with pictures and writing and and identifying with that is great. So we'll put yes, that book yes. up there because, yeah, well, I had a look at it briefly and, it, yeah, very easy for young girls to read and understand.
2: Yeah, so it's sort of it's from age five and up, but I've had teenage girls. You can look at it with teenage girls because it goes into things like sensory sensitivities. So that part will might might go over the heads of the younger girls a little bit, but then you can go into what that, that actually means with the older girls. And there's um, a section in the back for parents to help them to sort of initiate different discussions on various pages to explore what's going on for their daughter with those particular components of autism.
3: Well, we don't have that, do we? We've got the... We have our boys and we appreciate how gorgeous they are and and mm. um, with all their differences. And we can only imagine that if you have a girl, you'd feel the same, but um, you, your experience might be different. So um, it was really good to understand that today. I hadn't really mm. thought about it, to be fair. Mm. Oh, great.
1: I'm so glad. Yeah, really, really grateful that you were able to came on because I know how busy you are and I think there'll be a lot of mums out there really keen even for the groups you know just to interact mm. with other girls or other families you know it's the power of community isn't it?
2: Yeah absolutely it is I think mm-hmm. it's so important there is actually um, I'd highly recommend Yellow Ladybugs which is um, an a organization parent run autistic run organization for the younger girls um, up until 15 running events for um, autistic girls and that can be another great way for the parents to meet as well
1: great thank you for that thank Thank you you so much for coming on today keep warm
2: thank you you too i hope you get out into that beautiful sunshine
3: yeah thanks yeah we need it thank (laughs) you (laughs)
0: Thanks for being part of the Loop Me In community today and joining our conversation on raising children with disabilities. Join us for the next episode on some of your favourite platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you would like to support us, please recommend the Loop Me In podcast to your network of parents, carers and providers. If you would like us to cover a topic or invite a guest to chat, please email us at contact at loop-me-in.com.au or go to our website at loop-me-in.com.au. If you've got any feedback, please let us know so we can improve and cover issues you want. And of course, if anything in the podcast today has raised concerns for you, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 or Lifeline on 13 triple14.